Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. All right. All right. Yeah, let's move that out the way. Let's get these chilling up here. Um, All right, would the Lewis family come on up? And I want you guys, give it up now. (laughs) Ah, This feels like the starting five of a basketball team. The Lewis family. All right, go um, all the way down. Yeah. Uh, The Atkins family. The Atkins family. Just, just, the, just the immediate family, just the immediate family of the Atkins. Okay, just, will you be the representative? Yeah, you, did, are, did you have the baby? Yeah, I mean, but it's your child. Go right there. Just go right there. Just stand right there, Jeff James. Wait, wait, wait for your wife and child. The Jocelyn family, the Jocelyn family. The Dietz family, Dietz family. The Parks family, the Parks family. And then we would be remiss without the Adams family. Okay, you guys, you guys can move on. You guys can move in front of me. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. We just seem to come on down. All right. Normally, I am able to hold each child and do individual blessings. That will not be happening today. Praise God. So uh, we will. We'll have to hold the babies up like Simba. Praise the Lord. And, uh, and hold them up. But uh, maybe I should get in front of y'all. Ugh. All right. I will say this uh, to you all. Um, some of you all, this is uh, multiple children for you. Some of you all, this is new children for you. Actually, this is, is this all new? This is all new. This is all new, and this is multiples down here. All right, so old school, new school. Um, for you all, obviously, having this first child uh, you all are endeavoring in just this new world of having a baby in your home. It, it is a transition in relationship, and it's also just tremors inside of you. For those of you that this is your second child or third child, one thing you already know is every child is different, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. There are no carbon copies, praise the Lord. God is a creative God. So, um, and, and so in the same way that you've realized in your first child and your next children, you know, you need the hand of the Lord in raising this child. You want so many things for this child. You have so many dreams and so many aspirations, so many goals. But only God can see them all day. And only God can hold them all day. Only God can steward them in a way that you cannot steward them. And so this dedication is really this. It's an acknowledgement. Steward this child with me, God. I can't give them all the wisdom. I can't give them all the insight. 
On that day when you feel overwhelmed, when you wonder what you're doing, know that God chose you to be the parents. God wanted you. He knew. He knew all the ups and downs. He knows the goals and dreams. He knows. And so with that, this dedication is not just for the baby, it's for you. It's for you to know. You cannot do this alone. And truly, raising a child in the admonition of the Lord is really his hand, his guide, and his strength. I wonder if you just hold your child. I would just love to pray for them. I'm going to come around. I'm just going to touch him. I'm not going to hold him because that's, that's a, I, I need an Olympic medal for that. But I'm going to pray. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we just pray for these children right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask for your guided hand and your gentle touch. Father, we know that it is only by your wisdom and your power that you're able to strengthen these children. Lord, there is a special anointing on each of these children. There are special giftings on each of these children. God, our potential is in you. Our wisdom is in you and our strength is in you. And so, God, we pray a blessing over all these children and we ask that your hand would be on them. Now for these parents, bless these parents. Let them know that they're a child of God first before they're mommy and daddy. Let them know they are first dependent on you before they have dependence on them. God, we need your strength. We need your power. And then, God, I pray for the village around them, for aunts, uncles, godmothers, godfathers, brothers, sisters. I pray that you would strengthen the families around them. Certainly, we cannot raise children on our own. We need support. God, give them the right support. Give them the kind of people that are life-giving, not life-taking. Give them the kind of people that are wise and discerning. And then in the end, we'll be reminded God, what a blessing it is to have a child. Each of these children are such a unique blessing. So we ask for an anointing over these children that they, they will never remember this day, but their parents will. On that day, when they're anxious and overwhelmed, let them dedicate them again. Say, God, this is your child. I can't do this on my own. Let them know that dedication is a daily thing that we've got to do, knowing we cannot raise these children on our own. God, we love you. We can do nothing without you. We ask for your hand in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Give it up for these parents. I believe we have gifts for them. Come and get you. We have gifts for all of you. All right, give it up for them again. Congratulations. You're playing, Jason. You're playing. John, you're also playing. Thank you. Thank you. You're pulling double duty today. Let's pray. Jason is also a comedian. Did you guys know that? Jason is a comedian. Oh, okay, let me stop. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this day. This is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. 
God, no message can come from a man. It must come from the word of God. It must come from the presence and the power of God. So, Lord, we pray that your spirit and your strength would be in this place, that you would change hearts and transition our minds to you. Be glorified. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, we may need some more people to go on upstairs and some over here. We have our <laughs> rendition of Noah's Ark back there. Praise God. Um, but we'll try our best to transition you. All right. Well, we're continuing on in the book of First Peter. And the book of First Peter has been all about hope. And today, good. today we are talking about the ability and having the hope for change. Um, <clears throat> psychologists talk about the natural tendency we have to act like our parents. Uh, one of the things they call that is intergenerational scripts. In other words, there is a tendency, uh, there's something inside of you that just responds to moments and you uh, act like your parents. Now, I did not time this sermon on uh, baby dedication day, praise God. So I did not know I would be having this sermon. But it's interesting because uh, there is even commercials uh, that indicate this. Uh, if you've seen those progressive commercials with Dr. Rick, do you know what I'm talking about? He calls himself a parenta life coach. And the whole thing is called unbecoming your parents. And uh, he calls it a parentamorphosis. When you find yourself acting more like your parents than you could have imagined. What, what that essentially means is there will be days and there will be moments where you find yourself responding to life and responding to situations in a way where you could not have imagined it, you could not have even known it, but you're saying things your mama and daddy say. Just one day, you're sitting there and somebody turns the radio up and you're like, can you turn that down? I can't hear myself think. And you're like, oh, snap. Oh, your kids are doing something and all of a sudden they say, I'm depressed. You're like, well, you better depress them dishes. And you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> How, how did that come from me? <laughs> from your family, from your upbringing, you have these automatic scripts. There is a dialogue that you're used to. And for many of us, it's been beneficial. And for some of us, it's been challenging. The truth is, put in certain conditions, there is an invisible script that you tend to operate by and some of you enjoy it, but many of you feel challenged by it. The truth is, regardless if it comes from your family or your upbringing, a lot of us are tired and want to change. There are responses you have to getting angry. There are responses you have when you're put in pressured situations. There are responses you have in relationships, and you have this automatic script that you tend to operate in. And there's a very good chance that you have hope and a desire to not operate in that script all the time. Now, for the person here today that you're totally enjoying who you are and you never want to change, this sermon is not for you, praise God. Maybe you want to check Twitter or Instagram or something else. But if you have come here and you say, listen, I want to be changed. I don't want to be the same person I've always been. 
If that's you, I want to introduce to you hope for change. The, the capability, the pathway, and the power to change. You see, the scriptures say in 1 John chapter 3, it says, Beloved, watch this. I believe it's on the screen here. Watch this. Beloved, we are God's children now. So, so it's saying, yes, when you're born, you are God's creation and his child in that sense. But it's also saying that when you come under a relationship with God, you become obedient to him as an obedient child. And he says, and what we will be has not yet appeared. We're not who we want to be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Verse three, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. In other words, it's saying that as you look to Jesus, you become more like Jesus. You purify yourself as he is pure. And in the same way I've talked about your parents and just being in that environment, the same is true as who you look to, who you're focusing on now, the goals you have, the aspirations, the vision you have for your life is changing you. Another way to put it is that outlook determines outcome. You become what you behold and you imitate what you admire. And what the scriptures are saying here is that now that you're God's child, you have a longing to become more like him. And there is a new script that God gives you. In context here, in the book of Peter, we're gonna see an incredible moment, a moment that we have for Peter to be able to speak to exiles. Exiles, these are people who are not living where they'd like to live and they're not having the life they'd want to have. And so in light of that, he's trying to say, don't be like the world, be different operate under a new script. One of the things he said in 1 Peter 1 and 14, he said, as obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He's saying there was a life that you had when you didn't know God. And you just did that. And he said you had passions, you had cravings. There were things you just decided to do and you did it because everyone was doing it. But he's saying now you don't have that. Now, because he said you were formerly ignorant. He says, but you know God now. And because you know the Lord, that gives you power and a pathway for new life. And so join me in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, where he is going to give us a picture of this new life and this new pathway. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now, it's, it's really interesting that in a conversation about holiness, in a conversation about being God's child, the first thing he talks about is like envy and slander. He's not talking about tax evasion and murder, and prostitution, but he's talking about, here's what he's doing. He's talking about things that people are most likely to keep hanging on to even when they become a Christian. I know that's a shock to you. Did you know church people do this? Did you know that? The, the imagery there of putting that away is a similar imagery that you would see in the Old Testament where it would talk about putting away foreign gods. 
And all throughout the Old Testament, the, the, the imagery was when someone would leave the polytheistic religions of having many gods, oftentimes they would add Jehovah God to their many gods. In other words, they would be like, you are added to my collection of gods. And what he's saying is in the Old Testament, you cannot add God to your collection. He must be primary and priority. So you got to put all old gods away. In the same imagery, he is saying when you become a believer, you have to put old habits away, old impressions away, old ways of thinking away. And the imagery that you see in the book of Colossians picks up on it, Colossians chapter 3, the New Testament authors would say it this way. They'd say, don't lie to one another, seeing that you have, this is what they'll say, put off the old self with its practices and... Verse 10, have put on the new self, which is being renewed. In the New Testament, they don't talk about putting away foreign gods, but they talk about putting on new behaviors, a new life. And this imagery was so strong that in the old church, in the, in the, uh, in the church in its advent, in the beginning, the church would actually have people get baptized in the nude, and then they would come up and put on new clothes as a picture of an old and new life. We don't do that anymore, praise the Lord. <laughs> Baptism would be highly attended, amen? <laughs> but the imagery that they're trying to create is this. You have an old life and a new life, and you have a choice to still operate in that old life or still operate in a new life like you have a choice of clothes. In other words, another way he's saying it is, I have a choice of attitudes and action like I do shirt and shoes. You have a choice. You do not have to be the way you've always been. You do not have to say the things you've always said. You do not have to do what you've always done, and you do not have to be who people have always thought you to be. You can change. Like putting on a new set of clothes, you can change. Because of Christ and his power and his presence clothes you and changes you. And you have a choice. And so he runs down these behaviors in the scriptures that you can choose. Here in uh, the text, it, it talks about uh, malice and deceit. Now... These are attitudes, and the other three are actions. Y'all know what malice is? Malice is not when you don't like people. Malice is when you make plans. You've been thinking about it. You, 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 you gonna hurt somebody. Malice is not when you have evil feelings. It's when you're also making, you have evil intents, in, in, intentions, okay? And in Christ, you can change from being a malice person because the opposite of being malice is being benevolent. Benevolence is when you plan to do good. When you think through how you can bless people, how you can encourage people, and how you can support people. Not only that, but he uses this imagery of deceit. He says that deceit is... Whenever you are deceitful, that's when you say whatever you got to say to get whatever you need to get. 
I know these are new ideas to you saints. <laughs> and the opposite of that is honesty. And that's truth even when it costs you. He says that this imagery of becoming this new person also bleeds into our actions. The actions that we have oftentimes are hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is really just a compartmentalized life. Hypocrisy is when you are one way for your friends, one way for your family, one way for people at the gym, and then when you're on a plane by yourself, you're a whole new way. You are many different people. And the opposite of that is an integrated person or a person of integrity, one person. And there's always a temptation within everyone to be hypocritical. James can be many different people if I feel the tug of wanting to please those people, of wanting those people's affirmation. I can be many different people. But integrated James is one person every time. And many of you know that is a difficult thing to do. Many of you want to meet integrated you. You'd love that person to be real, but you struggle to become it. And then he says envy. And being envious is when you have resentment around, aroused by other people's possessions, by what other people have. And the opposite of that would be gratitude. That's when you can appreciate what you have to the point where you're not concerned about what other people have. And then lastly, he says, put away all slander. And slander is not just speaking mean about people. Slander is when you're deceitful about what you say, when it's not true. And normally, folks slander other people when they've been hurt by them. And they want to hurt them too by deforming their character. And so the, the imagery, though, is the transition we want to make is not being a person of slander, but being, but being a person of praise, a person that's always lifting people up. Now, I don't know if any of you all are convicted at this point, but there's no way you're doing all this stuff yet. There's no way you are just this benevolent, honest, integrated person filled with gratitude with lots of appreciation. You would like to be that. But most likely, you want to transform and change. And this is where God offers you a whole new script and a new way of thinking and being. The goal of the scriptures is not just to convict you. It's to transform you and to change you from who you have been. And I want to say to you, if you have been a person who has malice, who is deceitful, even if you don't know God, you've been made in the image of God. In other words, there's a good chance you're tired of you. <laughs> you're just tired of lying. <laughs> you're tired of being the way you are. And, and one of the things that you're tired of is you've been typecasted. You've always seen yourself that way. And God has the power to completely transform you. So the scriptures and his spirit work together in the same way that 
The scriptures are a pathway to transformation, but the spirit of God is our power to transform and change. It's our ability to be a new person, to talk new, to walk new, and to live new. You say, well, how do you do that? In verse 2 of 1 Peter 2, and this is so interesting because, again, I did not plan this on Baby Dedication Sunday, praise the Lord. He says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Long for pure spiritual milk. The word there for long is to crave. If you look back at 1 Peter 1 and 14, it talked about don't be conformed to your old passions of your former ignorance. That was cravings you had. But here, if you look back in 1 Peter 2, 2, it says, like newborn infants, crave pure spiritual milk. And that's written as a command. Now, <clears throat> again, I did not plan this. Newborns do not need to be told to crave milk. They just crave it. And it's interesting that this is written as a command. When my children were little, 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 newborns, it's a fascinating moment because you're so, they're so beautiful. But these are rowdy people. <laughs> you must understand this. If you could translate the things they say, these people are irreverent and rowdy. Two o'clock in the morning, ayo! Hey, 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 mama, you know what time it is. It's milk time, let's go. Oh, daddy's coming here? Okay, daddy, warm that thing up, boy. You know what time it is. Make it nice and warm, and if it's not, I'll tell you to send it back. You know what's up. These are rowdy people. Are you kidding me? They don't care about your sleep. They don't care about your time, any of that. 2 a.m. And then, that, look, 2 a.m., they do it. Then they'll be like, hey, mom, hey, look, I'll see you in two hours. Ah! Okay, okay, okay. I'll be right here waiting for you. These people don't care. So when it talks about craving, it's not talking about, uh, excuse me, pardon. It's talking about craving like a necessity. Now, understand Children's palates are innate for milk, but ours are not. And the reason why we get a palate for the pure spiritual milk of the word of God and his presence is because we end up getting the results of the word. So many people are like, I don't like to read, so I don't read the Bible. I, I'm not reading it for the literature. Just figured I'd look at Pauline scripture today. Huh, look at that sin. I don't, want, I don't do that. I don't read it out of literature. I read it for my life. I read it to change. I read it to grow. I believe that this is a new script for my life. I'm tired of the things I've done. I'm tired of the way that I've talked. I'm tired of the way that I live. And I need power to change. 
And in the word and in his presence, there is power to change and be transformed. Look, look at how the psalmist says it in Psalm 19. It says, look at this, Psalm 19, verse 7. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Look, reviving the soul. He talks about the word, but then he talks about its benefits. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. He talks about its benefits. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eye. So what does he say? He says, it's revived the soul, made you wide, rejoiced the heart. It's enlightened your eyes. And look what he says in verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much more fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. What's happening here is the psalmist is saying that I have experienced the word of God's effects and those effects have transitioned my life and I now crave the transformative power of the word. Not just the literature, not just the reading. I crave transformation and I crave his presence. I want to be different. I want a revived soul. I want to be wise. I want a heart that's rejoicing. I want to enlighten the eyes. It's the effects. When I was growing up, <clears throat> coffee was just coffee. It was just coffee. It was Maxwell House and Sanka. That's all we had. Now coffee is so bougie. Everybody's got these palettes, and everybody's like, oh, well, that, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do that kind. Where's it from? What country? And all that stuff. Everybody's so bougie about coffee. Ask those uh, for the bougie amongst us. None of them are drinking decaffeinated coffee. Did you know that? Some. Few. Because what they're actually having is caffeine. It's called wake-up juice. That's what it is. We're doing drugs. That's what's happening. Okay? Most sold drug in America is caffeine, all right? All right? I don't care what you call it. It's, not, it's never decaffeinated. So all this, I, I, the palate and the richness and the flavor and the bitterness. Okay. They, add the caffeine, too. Because all that taste stuff is great, but it's also the effect of the caffeine. What you really want is also the effects because it wakes you up and it changes you and it gets you ready for your day. And in the same way, I don't know, you know, all this, like, I need, I need to, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really into reading. I don't really know if I like into reading. I was, I was a horrible student. Horrible. It's not about an education. It is having the fatigue of life weigh heavy on your soul. For those of you that are married, have you decided to change yet? Because if you haven't, marriage will help you reconsider what you've been doing. If you, if you, didn't, think, if you didn't think you did anything wrong, get married. <laughs> well, I just, everybody thinks I'm great. Well, just wait till your third or fourth year and you'll discover the new you. But that's not just marriage. There are certain conditions you're put into life where you see a side of you where you go, oh, snap. Oh, I didn't know I was like that. I am a mess. New conditions, new situations, 
new jobs, new pressures. All it takes, you could be very proud of yourself, and then one year later, you're like, oh man, I am more of a wreck than I thought. But that does not mean you need to be depressed. See, some of you are here, and you feel the depression and the weight of trying to change, and that's because you're trying to change on your own. You're trying to change in your own power and in your own strength. And some of you will change. Some of you will subscribe to that podcast. You'll read that book. You'll go to that inspirational seminar, and you'll be different. And you won't eat gluten, and you'll do all the good things. You'll do, you'll do all the right things, and you'll change your behavior. But change behavior doesn't mean you have peace. It doesn't mean you have joy. Behavior modification is an external world, meaning you, you, you stop doing things to accommodate your surroundings. That does not mean you have joy on the inside because you've been able to perform better. That's what I'm saying. You can actually actually change or you can perform better and God can change you or you can try to change yourself. When I was growing up, we used to sing the song, I know I've been changed. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying I've changed. I know I've been changed. It's not marriage that changed me. Marriage has changed, excuse me. Marriage has changed me, praise God. <laughs> but God has made me a better husband. Yes. You want to be a good father? Try God as your father. You want to be a good husband? Try God loving you to the point where you can love others. You want to be a better co-worker? It's not just coming in early. It's meeting with your maker and knowing you can be satisfied in him. God can completely make you into who he's called you to be. He has created you to be a certain way. He has designed you to be a certain way. Doesn't it make sense that your creator knows you better than you? Doesn't it make sense he knows the outcomes and the potential of your life more than you? Then wouldn't it make sense that God would give you a pathway and a power source to be everything he's called you to be. People who, and this is why some of y'all hate church. People who change and use the Bible as a law book end up being petty, bitter people. They wear skirts and hats, but they're mean-spirited. Church people can be mean. And irreverent. You know why? Because they're not changed by God. They just changed. They're in there with their Bibles all early. Hmm, see? Oh, you're late? Mm-hmm, you're late. Mm, shouldn't be late for Bible study. Those kind of people. Those kind of people that are always wondering, what are you doing? Why weren't you in church? Because the reason why they're that way, the reason why they're so legalistic is because they've changed because they see themselves as obedient and they see themselves as powerful because they know the Bible. They're not submitted to God. They're just following rules. And because they're rule followers, they end up trying to correct everybody else. <laughs> It is an oxymoron to be a proud Christian. Because when you know God changed you, you should be one of the most humble people in the world. You should be amazed you can talk to him every day. You should be blown away by his grace. The church should be some of the most humble people in the world. And yet we are the most proud. We should be in awe of his presence. 
because we know we have experienced a God who has transitioned and changed our lives. Um, when, I, uh, when I came to know the Lord, I was on my college campus, and uh, I feel like I tell this story all the time, but we have so many new people here. So if you've heard it, say amen anyway. <laughs> but, but, you know, I was, I, was, uh, I was like anybody. I was playing college football. I was living my life. But I was known for being a certain type of person, and it wasn't known for praising the Lord. I was living that life. <laughs> I was doing that dirt, dirt. You know what I'm saying? And I did not knock on God's door and be like, could you change me, please? I would like to be a totally different person. He interrupted my life. And here's the word that I first, I never even thought about, but the word that changed me, it's a word called conviction. I was sitting in a church service and I'm listening to the preacher and I can't even tell you what they were talking about. And he was up there talking and talking and all of a sudden I'm like, why are you talking to me? And I'm looking around like, why are y'all looking at me? Why does everybody feel, I didn't do it. And that wasn't them. And the preacher wasn't talking to me. That was the Holy Spirit convicting my heart. And for some of you, as I talked about all those different areas, you started feeling conviction. You started feeling the presence of the Lord. You started feeling a desire to change. And the next step of change is experiencing more of the Lord, not just experiencing more church or more of the Bible. Look what he says here in this last part. He says in 1 Peter 2 and 3, the last part of this, he says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. He says, crave for the spiritual milk. He says, it will mature you and grow you and sanctify you. He says, but if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I love the way that Peter ends it because what he says is, you didn't taste the Bible. You didn't taste church. You experienced the goodness and the mercy of the Lord. And you decided He's good. His character, the beauty of worshiping him and knowing him is good. And because of that, you've longed to know him more. You press into his presence more and you want to be changed by him. God, this morning, longs to change you. And many of you today, at the sound of my voice, you long to change. But you will not change if you just want to be a good person. He says, if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. There is a difference between saying, I've changed and I'm good now. Versus saying, God is good. God has changed and I want to offer that to you today. I want to offer you the goodness and mercy of the Lord. Some of you want to change your pride. Some of you want to change the way you speak. The goodness and mercy of God can change you. 
Some of you feel hopeless. Some of you wonder, how can I ever be different? The goodness and mercy of the Lord can change you. Some of you have been so tired, sick and tired of looking in the mirror and seeing yourself the same way. The goodness and mercy of the Lord can change you. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He offers himself to people that are hurting, that are broken, and that are desperate. But for the proud, he will humble you. And for the broken, he will raise you up. And this morning, I offer you the pure milk of God's word and his presence. It will transform you from being the person you are forever. And people will look back and wonder if you've changed and that you've changed. But I must leave you with this last warning he puts here because the verse says, if. <laughs> if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. And that word is conditional. It means that if you've not tasted the goodness of the Lord, you will not experience the transformation and the change he offers. Today, there's always that chance that you have been going to church, you've been doing religious things, but you know you. You know you have not grown. You know you have not changed. I want to offer you the power and goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ that transitions you. So I'm not offering you church because you can do church a long time and still not change. You can be a deacon. You can be a pastor. You can be religious and you can be very versed in the Bible. That does not mean you're changing. The greatest evidence of the Christian life is are you a more loving person this year than you were last year? Do people feel the presence of God more in the area of love than you did last year? Not more attendance, not more money, not more time. And you have decreased, Christ has increased. And then there's a point where you change so much that people around you go, oh snap, look at you. You've been changed and you know it's not you. You will say, I've been changed. I didn't just change. I wonder if you'll pray with me and stand with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would change us, make us more like you. God, we love you and we can do nothing without you. Jesus, we pray for the power of your presence. Change us. Make us more like you. And we pray that the Spirit of God would do this in such a way that you'd be honored in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message was encouraging to you. We would love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. If this message was impactful to you today, please send us an email, info at bridgechurchnyc.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Our handles on our social media platforms is Bridge Church NYC. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you are in the New York City area, we would love to see you on a Sunday. Our services on Sundays are at 11 a.m. and the address is 345 Adams Street in downtown Brooklyn. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope to see you soon.